We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 PGA Golf One and Done Strategy and Tips for the Upcoming Season. Now, if you were watching this before the start of the Sony Open, good news. You can still play in the gigantic Race for the Mayo Cup, $50,000 to first place, $500,000 guaranteed, gigantic one and done against me, all the viewers, everyone out there, and as long as you're in North America, you are good to go. Hit the description, you can find the link, or just go to Fantasy Golf Championships. Dot com and go and register. There are myriad contests up there. There are private leagues you can set up for yourself. Uh, and if you missed the date by the Sony Open, don't worry. There's a major season one and done. There's always new tournaments popping up for the remainder of the season. So go to fantasygolfchampionships.com and get yourself in it right now and try to deploy these tips because I always say that I'm going to do this. I make note that I'm going to do it. And then after like three weeks when I'm not winning, I completely get away from my strategy and end up in like last place because there's nothing better you can do than watch a video of a guy who has never won one of these things. Now, when you're playing against like 4,000 other people, chances are you're not going to win. But there are a few things you can do to really get yourself ahead of the pack. And one of them right Right off the hop is just knowing what one and done is. You don't know what one and done is? Here it is. You get to pick one golfer per event for the length of your contest. Once you use said golfer, you cannot use that golfer again. You get the earnings that golfer has for the tournament. So a lot of people say like, oh, I need my guys to make the cut every single week. You don't. You can have a guy miss the cut, you know, three of every four weeks as long as you hit winners. Hitting winners is essentially the key tip. Now, if I was better at hitting winners, I wouldn't be doing videos. I wouldn't be doing content. I would move to Vegas and just bet golf winners at 80 to one every single week if I knew who was going to win. But there are certain things that you can do to really narrow down the field for yourself. So let's talk about this in the context of a, a large field, let's say over 2,000, 4,000 people 
person one and done and for big money that lasts around 30 events throughout the course of the year. So ours big one runs from the Sony Open through the BMW Championship. That is 31 events that are qualified for our contest. So that leads you to the tip number one. Use the good players in your one and done. You have 31 opportunities to make a pick. Why are you using, let's say, who's someone who's popular? Charlie Hoffman. Maybe you do want to use Charlie Hoffman at one point, but consider that he is the 76th ranked player in the world, where if you just used everyone currently inside the top 31, as I do this video, Joaquin Neiman would be the worst player that you would use throughout the course of the year. So don't worry about using up your studs or where to deploy them. If they're playing and you think that they're going to win, you should probably use them because you know, whoever hits like eight or nine winners throughout the course of the year is probably going to win. There is no difference really between a miscut and a T-51, a T-32, a T-17. Frankly, if your guys don't finish in the top three, of a tournament, it's not really moving the needle all that much once you look at the pace structure of a lot of these tournaments. That the guy who comes in fifth, yeah, that's gonna help you. Not significantly. Like it would almost take like just looking at the breakdown of some of these tournaments that a guy coming in fifth equals about what you would need to have, geez, eight fifth place finishes to equal one winner. Something along those lines. So you need to get your top threes in there. That's how you're going to make significant moves up the standings. And don't sweat it if your guys miss the cut. I mean, that sucks. Obviously, you want to have the winner. But there's no real benefit of having your guy come you know, T11, tied for 11th every single week. You're not going to win anything. You might not even cash if that's a problem. You need to pile up winners along the way. And frankly, the best way to do it is to pile up winners that no one else has. So tip, the main tip I can have for you and the best strategy that I've seen deployed throughout the course of any season is Come up with the guys that have a realistic chance of actually winning this tournament. Who is that? Maybe it's the top 10 in odds. Maybe it's the top five in odds. Obviously, those guys from that group don't win every single week. But they win close to the majority of the weeks on the PGA Tour. So at least you've narrowed down your field and given yourself, put yourself in the best chance to get lucky seize the opportunity of this moment. I like to do things like go to fantasynational.com and look at the event simulator and just look at the actual win equity that the simulator gives each of these players. Maybe you can find someone from outside of that top 10 um, in terms of the betting odds who actually the model gives top 10 probability to win this week. That's sometimes a really good route to go down to. But I usually like to take the top five to 10 players in the field and try to find the one player who is not being really talked about this week and there's different circumstances for this because sometimes a guy's betting odds like let's take the tournament of champions for example which was not included in the one and done like no one really wanted john rom just because the price was prohibitive like you could have colin morikawa for double the odds you could have bryson for more than double sam burns for triple the odds sung jm for quadruple the odds based on how big of a favorite john rom was and maybe you want to keep john rom for the u.s open or a more major event that is one thing to plan out i wouldn't try to plan out every event on the schedule because a you don't know who's going to play in each of these tournaments you don't know when brooks kepka is going to hurt himself for the event that you were saving him for and you're like well now i don't want to use him so you might as well use the guys while they're healthy but if you wanted to plan out the players the masters the pga championship the open championship and the u.s open and have your like five guys for that that you want to save for those events i completely understand that because those are the biggest events with the biggest purses of the year and if you can hit a winner in those you're most definitely going to cash in but that doesn't mean you need to devolve into using the worst guy in the field to try to get sneaky with people no you can go to an event and look at the top five and odds there's always one guy that no one's betting uh the odds are correct the win equity is correct it's just that's not a bet that people want to make that's not the DraftKings play that people want to make 
So that's usually your best opportunity to gain leverage on a field in the one and done. Someone with a very high win probability with a very good win rate that is just not being used by the vast majority of people that way. Because if they win, not only do you get the huge upside in terms of the payday, which you need to win one of these terms, no one else is getting that along at the same time. And presumably if they're using studs, that means you can use those studs at different events throughout the course of the season. So just being a little bit contrarian without taking bad players is really the major tip to one and done. Um, and don't worry about burning a lot of these top guys. As we see as the year kind of trickles along, that guys emerge throughout the course of the season. The best players in January aren't necessarily the best players when it comes to August or July, especially in that mid-tier where Harris English can be great for three months and he doesn't do anything for three months. And Chris Kirk pops up or Cameron Tringali pops up or Billy Horschel is the greatest example of this when he won the Tour Championship that all of a sudden halfway through the year, Billy Horschel's like a top 10 player from that point like for the final three months he's like a top 10 player on the pga tour no one would have thought that going into the season but that's just the way that the season evolved so you always have people towards the end of the year that just you wouldn't even consider it if you were trying to map out the season so you don't necessarily need to cling on to the very high end names all season just to use them at the bmw championship or the first leg of the fedex cup playoffs so that would be my major tip to everyone out there is don't try to outsmart yourself in terms of the one and done maybe if you get way behind halfway through the season just because you're let's say in last place through three weeks of the season I mean, it's not a good start. It's not the optimal start, obviously, because there's going to be someone who hits two winners in the first three weeks. It's like, oh my God, how am I ever going to catch them? There's plenty of time. There's like six months of this season to go. All you need to do is, I mean, you need to hit back-to-back -back winners or find two winners in three weeks somewhere along the line, but that will get you back up to where you need to be. And the worst thing you can do is be like, oh man, I need to use... Let's just use an example here. Oh, I need to use Aaron Rye this week at this tournament because no one else is going to use him. Maybe you get the luckiest of lucky circumstances and you end up winning with Aaron Rye. Maybe. But that's probably a less than 1 in 100 chance that that happens at any tournament this year. So what's really the point of doing that when you can still climb your way back up? Now, if you get to July and you're 5 million bucks out of it, yeah, you need to start rolling the dice and gambling on people that no one else has because you put yourself in this position where you need to dig up to get out of this hole and take Hail Mary shots every single time. But for the first few months of the season, you need to tread water. You need to be within striking distance and not get yourself too far out of it. Obviously, you want to be in the lead, but that's just not going to be the particular circumstance that everyone else is going to find themselves in. Don't bury yourself by making bad picks just because you feel desperate there's still plenty of time and there's plenty of ways to come back up and using these quote-unquote contrarian lower owned high-end plays is a much better path to finding a win like the the best one that i had last year was patrick reed at the farmer's insurance open i just looked at the odds he was inside the top 10 no one wanted to use patrick reed that week oh the course is too long for him well what happened he chipped and putted his way to a victory i was one of a few people in the one and done who actually had him. that was like the high point of my year it all went went downhill after that because I felt like oh now I'm riding a heater I'm going to take you know Carlos Ortiz at this event where he's you know not even in the top 30 of odds because you know I got I got a hunch this week and maybe your hunches are better than my hunches I don't know I'm just telling you the straight up way to play this is try to use as many good players in the highest leverage spots as possible and that will get you up at the top of the list the worst thing you can do is get to August and there's only four events left and you still have like eight of the top 12 players in the world that you just haven't used for whatever reason like that's absolutely moronic you want to deploy the best players in the world on your team at least 
at some point during the year. And if you don't use them up early, you might find yourself in a circumstance where you don't get to use them towards the end of the year. So those would be the, and you can always go courses for horses, which guys who have great course histories at like, and you can really kind of see which courses really breathe that out. The Wyndham Championship, uh, Colonial, the Heritage. Maybe you want to go with a course horse guy for those ones. But generally speaking, that's a great narrative to fade in a lot of these circumstances and it allows you to be a little bit different and to cash in on when you win. You're not going to win the giant ones with only three winners throughout the course of the year. You're going to need eight, nine, ten. That's just the, the variance that needs to swing your way when you're competing against 4,500 other people. Now, if you're in the $1,000 one and done, like I am with 49 different people, the overall winning score is going to be a whole lot lower than when you have 4,000 people into the mix. So maybe your strategy turns out to be a little bit different in those processes as well. I've been working through this every single year. It's about my 10th year of playing one and done right now. And the strategy always remains the same. The hardest thing to do is sticking to that strategy and knowing that some years not going to be your year, but some years are going to be your year and you want to be in the best position to cash in when that's the deal. Sony Open, first look, research, early picks, the modeling, and so much more as we dig into the research provided by fantasynational.com. Fantasynational.com slash mayo gets you 20% off by the way and you can see all the tools and stats as I do my walkthrough to see if it's something you might want to get into weekly monthly annual memberships all available the annual obviously the best discount you can get with that 20% off but really what I'm here to do is to tell you to smash the like button to the episode sub to mayo media network if you're ever looking for the golf bets or cheat sheets subscribe to the newsletter the mayo media newsletter on Substack. find that all down in the description the big thing for today is join the one and done fantasy golf championships.com or fangolfchamps.com. If that's just too many letters for you to type in, you can also find it down in the description. We need to fill about a thousand more spots in the race for the Mayo Cup. It begins this week at the Sony Open. $125 to play for an entry for the year. You can play up to five entries, and all it is is you make one pick. Per week, you can only use that guy once for the year. That's all it is. Total money wins it all. $50,000 to first place. $500,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. So let's go fill that right now. The Listener League link for DraftKings will be put down in the description once it's available to me. It is not available yet, so it is not there as of yet. Let's jump over to FantasyNational.com and jump right into this. You can see uh, the Century Tournament of Champions is still ongoing at the moment. Uh, If you're ever looking for live stats throughout the course of the tournament on Fantasy National, you just go to In-Tournament Stats. Boom. It just pops up for you right there. Uh, Cameron Smith is still winning because he hasn't even teed off in the third round as I'm recording this. I thought that this could be a week where, you know, maybe my guys could rally, but just like every other first tournament of the golf year. That's how you know that golf is back. It was a losing week for me because Colin Morikawa missed a putt on number eight in the third round by maybe 25 feet. And that kind of quelled his comeback mission because uh, he really needed to shoot like a 61 on Saturday to get back into it. Hey, you know what? I'm not from the future. Maybe by the time I'm done recording this, he will have shot a 61 and I will be happy or Spieth or Damon or someone else or Cameron Smith just gags it away. Who knows? Anyway, we're not here to talk about the century. More on the strokes gain stats from this tournament on Monday show with Jeff Feinberg. We want to get to the Sony Open. Here we are. So the Sony Open is a 
132-man field played at Wailai Country Club in Hawaii. It's a par 70, just over 7,000 yards on Bermuda grass. Obviously, Kevin Na won a year ago. We'll take a look at the past course conditions, the course breakdown, and the tournament history from last year. You should know right away that the biggest corollary course to Wailai Country Club, or at least the tournament itself, is the Mayakoba, which Victor Hovland won back during the swing season. We've seen two of the past four winners, Matt Kuchar and Patton Kazire, win both back-to-back. They won one in the fall, won the other one come the, well, I guess winter time. I guess in January is what we'll call it, because that is actually what month it is. Once again, the one-and-done starts this week at the Sony Open, so get your picks in now. You can even set up text alerts in case people are afraid that they're going to miss it, and I've done an entire one-and-done strategy show that's up on Mayo Media Network right now. It's like 10 minutes long, some basic tips to help you try to tread water through it. It's almost like a diet, like I explained. You can put down steadfast rules for yourself and what you need to do. I line myself up every year. Here's what I need to do. Here's the optimal strategy, and then like three weeks into it, I'm like doing taking the craziest people ever, and that's why I end up losing every single time. It's like any sort of diet. You can do it for a week. It's when you get into week four of the diet. Are you still doing it? Now, chances are you're probably not. Also, uh, pick winners. I hear that really helps in the one and done. So, yeah, $125. It's like $375 per week or something like that. And it gives you a huge upside with $50K as the first prize and that engagement every single week. But Wiley with uh, Mayakoba is a part of sort of... I don't want to say they're all, they're not all the same course, but it's all Bermuda grass. They're not all coastal, but they're all a bit shorter. Some are Pete Dye uh, as well. So you have the Sony Open, you have the Heritage, you have the Honda Classic, you have Colonial, that's on bent grass. That's the only one that is on bent grass. And then you have the Wyndham Championship. You see a lot of the same players do really well because driving distance doesn't mean as much at these courses. It gives the shorter hitters more time and better ways to compete. So if you can have hot irons and you can have a hot putter you can most definitely compete sony's a little bit different because driving distance can play a key factor here but as we'll take a look at right now as we go to let's see there's the live leaderboard let's close that out the historic conditions at the course uh it was pretty calm we saw two years ago when cameron smith won he won at minus 11 and that was the highest i mean it's like let's put it this way last year kevin now won at 21 under the year before that 22 under for matt kuchar 17 under for kazire justin thomas won at 27 under after opening with a 59 the year before that then you have 11 under for cameron smith which was the highest winning score since vj singh also fired a minus 11 to win in 2005 and you can see because the first two rounds it was brutal out there there was wind all week it was incredibly windy the first two rounds and that kind of persisted the entire time and you can see it i mean ryan ryan palmer tried to hit a three wood out of a bunker on 18 uh did not go well for old ryan palmer the par fives of this course there's only two of them they're incredibly easy uh hitting fairways uh it had been easy that was during the really windy years which is kind of strange but generally very difficult to hit some of the most difficult fairways to hit on the PGA Tour, but it doesn't really make a difference is the thing. Uh, You hit the fairway, don't hit the fairway. You can still go for the, anyone in the field can go for these par fives and two. That's not really that big of an issue for anyone. Uh, And on top of that, you also have the fact that these are really easy green regulations to hit. So well, the field hits around, what is it, like 54%? Yeah, 53% driving accuracy versus 64 
0.2% uh, for your average uh, PGA Tour event. The greens and regulation is actually higher at this event at around 66%. Um, I mean, it's, it's marginally higher. It's 66 for average, 66 here. So you can tell that unless you get yourself into a world of trouble off the tee, it's not going to be that big of an issue because you can still hit a ton of greens and regulation. We take a look at the strokes gain for the top 10 finishers. We'll sort that by top five finishers. And almost a stroke per round with the approach over a stroke per round on the greens, Bermuda grass greens. Once again, uh, about half a stroke off the tee and you know a third of a stroke uh, or a little bit less, three, three tenths of a stroke around the green. Around the green is marginalized a lot at birdie fest like this. Once you start looking at the top five finishers, only because you need to be hitting like 80% greens and regulation and making a ton of putts and you need to be dialed in with your irons. Uh, the, the more we go down and we just look at everyone who makes the cut from those things, you can see it normalizes a little bit more just the numbers aren't quite as high but around the green is a bigger percentage of what's going on because guys are when you're not averaging a stroke per round on your approach and you're below a half stroke you're gonna have to scramble a little bit more i mean that's pretty evident kind of go over this every single week uh additionally at this course six of the past seven winners cameron smith being that exception although he did play in that december president's cup uh and ended up winning that year and the conditions were a little bit wonky six of the past seven winners played at the tournament of champions so you might want to keep that in mind i don't know i mean cameron smith may have bucked that trend and showed you you know in a not i mean he's is he an elite i guess if he wins this week it's a bunch of wins for cameron smith um after winning sony won the team event then he wins this so We'll see if he holds on or not. There's been a lot of you know, 36-hole leaders who have not gone on to win on the PGA Tour, but he's a higher-end player, especially for the Sony Open. So maybe a higher-end player or someone who plays in the Tournament of Champions can end up winning. Uh, if you're playing in DraftKings Showdown for the week, as you can see on the scorecard in front of me, and I do want to say, someone mentioned this to me, that they always listen to this show in the audio version and didn't realize that there's a video walkthrough where it's not just me like rambling the entire I mean, it is me rambling the entire time. But at least in the video version, you can see what I'm looking at when I'm rambling. So I'm looking at the scorecard right now. You can find that up on Mayo Media Network. Uh, that the If you're playing DraftKings Showdown, uh, the guys on split tees, uh, both nines end with a par five, the two easiest holes on the course. You can see that number nine has a 6.5% eagle rate, a 3.2% eagle rate for number 18. Uh, so you want your guys generating eagles on those. But holes one and two are the third and fourth most difficult on the course. So if you're looking for birdie streaks in DraftKings Showdown and you do want to split it up, taking the guys teeing off on number one is the better way to go because then you have that wraparound of going... 18, yeah, you get number nine and number 10, and number nine is the easiest hole. Number 10 is the second easiest hole. So if you're obviously, if you're starting on number 10, you don't have that opportunity to pair those two holes together where you have a birdie rate of 60% on one and 30% on the next. Now, the one surrounding it, number eight and number 11, a 15% birdie rate and a 10% birdie rate, that's fine. Uh, but then you see like a 9%, a 15% along with the 49% that you would have on number 18. And the lead-in is only 14% for that as well so with number nine and number 10 going back to back for DraftKings showdown if you can take guys starting on hole number one you have a listen it's not a significant advantage by any means but it is you know the extra two percent you're giving yourself a little bit of an edge and sometimes when it comes to DraftKings showdown that's what you can do i would put it this way i wouldn't fade a good golfer for a bad golfer just because of the t splits but if it's a tiebreaker situation yeah by all means let's go for it let's take a look back at last year's 
event. And Kevin Na, obviously the winner, uh, beat down, beat up Brandon Steele and, and Chris Kirk. I mean, man, I had Neiman last year, so that kind of bit me in the ass. That was not fun. Uh, so Kevin Na ends up winning, like I said, minus 21. Neiman and Kirk both finish at number minus 20. Steele, who was very much in the mix going down the stretch, kind of gagged it away late. Steele, Webb Simpson, Leishman, all at minus 19. Horschel, Berger, Morikawa, and Patton Kazire uh, tied for seventh at minus 18. And these have just a lot of the regular run-of-the-mill names. Russell Henley has won this before. Matt Jones won at Honda a year ago. Nick Taylor won at Pebble Beach, another short course last year. Carlos Ortiz coming off, I mean, he just finished second at Mayakoba uh, during the swing season. He was top 15. He's probably going to be my pick, by the way. Uh, Bermuda Keith Mitchell, you can see he actually had a quite a nice run here. Mac Hughes, um, you know, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, who tends to play this tournament a lot. There's a, a lot of Japanese crossover with this course. When we get to the field, you'll see that. Uh, if you didn't notice, by the way, on Fantasy National, if you go into player profiles right now and you go to distance and accuracy, you can actually see the shot shapes of the players and how often that they shape their shots and their smash factor and their average ball speed. Uh, if that's just something you want to dig into, I think it's kind of analysis by paralysis. But I've, green stuff is like that, too. Maybe it can give you a little bit of an edge if that's something that you want to go look at. So I mentioned Mayakoba. So let's go take a look at Mayakoba from this year. And we can see what actually happened there. There's no strokes gained from the, that event ever. Uh, but we can just see that Vic ended up winning by four. Ortiz came in second. Justin Thomas, who's won the Sony Open. Scheffler, Neiman, who was obviously second uh, when we look back at last year. Wolf, Answer, Landry, Andrew Landry. So then these are some of the names that start popping up for us uh, when we start thinking about this. You have Landry, Danny Lee, Seamus Power, who... Actually, just as, I mean, he had a great opening round at TOC, but he's at TOC. So maybe power is someone to look at going into the Sony Open. The Gooch is another one who performed pretty well. Obviously, he won at the RSM, but he's going to be at the Tournament of Champions, or he is at the Tournament of Champions as well. Bezadenhaus, 15th, he's in the field this week. Who are some other guys that we might have? Oh, the Gim Reaper. Love you, Gim Reaper. Uh, going back and looking at it, looking at it as well in terms of like first-time winners, Russell Henley was the last first-time PGA Tour winner at the Sony Open. That was in 2013. So it's usually someone who's won on tour before. Now, when six of the past seven winners have played at the Tournament of Champions, that should seem obvious. But in case it needed to be said, I am saying it right now. Who else is up here? Horschel, T33. You always feel like these should be good, better courses for Horschel. Uh, this, that whole circuit of like the short Bermuda par 70 type ones. And obviously he's played well at some of them. Eastlake, obviously he's played well at. Uh, he's more of a top finisher, not a winner at these events. He might end up being overvalued in the field this week. Damon, uh, Damon's made some nice runs at the Wyndham, a nice run at the Heritage. So maybe he's someone else to look up next week, depending on what his odds are as well. So let's dig into the field a little bit to see who's here. Bryson is playing. Morikawa is not. Uh, so that's going to save me some bucks, I think. So at, and we just sort by strokes gained past 50 rounds. The top five in the field are going to be Power, Answer, M, 
Cameron Smith, and Bryson. We also have Webb making his debut. Gooch, who played last week. Everyone's favorite, Mav McNeely, big sleeper. Uh, he's eighth in strokes gain total coming into this. You also have the season debut of Corey Connors, Harris English, Russell Henley, Kevin Nahn, Kokracker both playing. Mark Hubbard appears to be in the field. Christian Bezadenhout, Mark Leishman, Hideki Matsuyama is playing. Grace is a holdover from this week at the Tournament of Champions, as is Joel Damon. Uh, we get some oh, Pendrith, Adam Long. Adam Long might be interesting. I have no idea how he's played at this event, but I remember, where did he spike? Yeah, he played well in Houston. He actually had a pretty decent swing season, so four consecutive top 25s to end his year. How has he played Sony? Never played well at Sony ever. Great. Great news. Don't worry about Adam Long, then. I was hoping that would be something that just popped up right away, but that apparently is not the case. So there are a couple guys. K.H. Lee is someone who is playing currently in the Tournament of Champions. Does not appear to be playing well, but that was the case with Kuchar uh, two years ago. Kevin Na last year. like They didn't play well at all at Tournament of Champions, and then they get to a course that is a little bit better for them. And then all of a sudden, they're a lot better. So miscut, miscut, T19 for KH Lee. Gained zero strokes on approach last year. All right, congratulations, KH Lee. Good for you. More players in this field. Furick is playing. Ryan Moore in his quest to get back into the top 100 in the world. Snedeker's won this event before. Let's keep scrolling down. Billy Ho, uh, obviously playing in the Tournament of Champions. EVR playing in the Tournament of Champions right now. My guy, Sadashi Kadira is playing. Kirk, as I mentioned, finished second a year ago. Super sleeper from last year for like six straight weeks. Vince Whaley is back in the field. Scott Piercy, if it gets windy, we always like Scott Piercy in the wind. See, woo! Kim has a win at the Wyndham, has a win at the Players' Championship. Uh, both shorter Bermuda grass courses. How has he played at the Sony? Over the years. Not that I'm not going to bet Siwoo. I'm going to bet Siwoo. Fourth, 25th, 58th, and miscut. Uh, actually played his best ball strike. Not overall ball striking, but gained off the tee, gained on approach, gained around the greens a year ago. The year that he came fourth in 2016, lost on approach. 6.4 strokes gained around the green. That's probably not something that's ever going to replicate itself. Lucas Herbert won in Bermuda a year ago. We saw Higo get off to the really hot start. So it looks like there's going to be some guys in this field that are probably a bit underpriced unless they really spike on the weekend at Kapalua that I think, I mean, this is, seems like a perfect Higo course. He won at Palmetto last year. He won at the Canary Islands last year. He's someone who can get very hot with this, but I, oh my God, How Tong is in this field? I think How Tong's ranked like 500th in the world now, something crazy like that. Uh, Luke Donald, Jimmy Walker won here. I think it was back-to-back -back years, like ages ago, back when you know he was awesome. It's funny to see Kevin Kisner, uh, 117th over the past 50 rounds in terms of strokes gain total. I would qualify this as a Kevin Kisner course, though. Uh, there's only so many, uh, even you know, per his example, that he can win throughout the course of the year, and this is one of them. Let's see, since 2016, he's finished inside of the top five, three out of six times, has not missed a cut in each of the past seven years, although in 2015, it was a T84, then he reels off a 5th, 4th, 25th, 69th, 4th, and 32nd. Two great strokes gained approach years coming out of that as well. So Kisner, I don't think you'll ever get a discount on Kisner at courses like this, and especially if he ends up having a pretty good week. Oh, Jared Wolf, not my main man, Matthew Wolf, but Jared Wolf with an E. The Francais, the feminine version of the name Wolf as we go through it. Um, so that's just a quick scan of the field. Let's talk modeling and see uh, how everything has gone over the years with my model 
here. I try to keep track of them. You can always save your models. Uh, Sony Open, solid. All right, let's roll with it. What did I have in here? Strokes gained approach, 25%. Par 4 scoring, 15%. 40, 400 to 450 yard par 4s, 5%. Eagles gained 5%. Opportunities gained 15%. Strokes gained par 3 because there was four of them this week. 10% off the T5 par 5s. I have in it 10%. Good drives gained 10% because obviously missing the fairway here doesn't really make that much of a difference. So good drives gained finds its way into the model this week. And I have strokes game putting listed. I have it weighted at 0%. Maybe I should jack that up a little bit. Let's dial down approach by 5% because we have opportunities gained to mitigate that and throw in putting at 5% and see what that spits us out. Past 50 rounds, obviously this does not include the data from the Tournament of Champions. That will be factored in on Monday morning when I rerun the model. Again, Jeff and I will go over all of that on Monday's show. So who are the best players in the field from the past 50 rounds going back into last year? We have the Mexican, Allen Iverson, the answer, Abraham, number one, Connors, Sungjae, Webb Simpson, the Gucci man. Those are your top five. Mav McNeely, Hideki Matsuyama, Keegan Bradley, Russell Henley, and Bryson DeChambeau. Those who were tied for ninth, Seamus Power at number 11, and Cameron Smith at number 12. Oh, look, there's Joel Damon at 15, Harris English. Harris English, this should be a good course for you. Someone who's won Mayakoba in his career. Uh, let's see, he's won the Tournament of Champions. He's won Mayakoba. How's he done at the Sony? Uh, his best finish is a 30. Is a third, fourth, and ninth. How has he done lately, though? 32nd, 22nd, 64th, missed a cut. He's made his other five cuts. So he's a pretty consistent cut maker at this course. Did not have a very hot start at the Tournament of Champions, but that's okay. You know, you're shaking off some rust. It's not that big of a deal. The fact that you're getting four competitive rounds under your belt to start things off, always a good sign. Seamus Powers never played well at this tournament, but I think you need to lend some context to that. The Seamus Powers never been as good as he has been, that he is right now over the past Eight months has been the best stretch of golf in his career. So maybe the arrow is pointing back up for him coming into this tournament. I mentioned Russell Henley has won this event in the past. And that was in 2013, his first career PGA win. Never really had that much more success. Does not have another top 10 at this course over the years since his victory. Missed three cuts in that time. 11th last year is really good. Uh, but I think that he's someone that a lot of people will point to because the stats are obviously going to love him. When you look at opportunities gained, he's number one in strokes gained approach over the past 50 rounds, that the model will tell you that he's going to be really good. Maybe he will be really good. But it feels like that might lead you to overvalued. I don't know who said this. I saw it on Twitter. It was a really good point that if you're looking to project ownership, just run one of these models because the, the majority of people doing the influencing are all kind of looking at the same things that some of these stats aren't necessarily predicted. They can tell you who's playing well right now, but that's why I still feel like gut feel trying to dig in and find a little bit of a separate edge is so huge because let's say if Russell Henley comes in at $7,800, he's probably going to be like 86 or something like that on DraftKings, or he'll probably be like 28 to one or 30 to one in the betting market. Like everyone's going to know he's a pretty good bet. And maybe the bet is the play that you want to make, but on DraftKings, he's just going to end up being incredibly popular. So the stats are more of a predictive nature of DraftKings own 
ownership than they are of who's actually going to play well. It's the game theory behind everything. And when Rick and I break that down on Tuesday, yes, my guy, Rick Rungood, Rick Gaiman, is going to be on the show this week talking about this tournament. Uh, we'll try to find the pivot points off all of that. Let's take a look at the past 24 rounds to get a bigger sample from just the swing season. Obviously, it's not going to be just the swing season for some of the players, but we'll see if there's anyone that increases their value moving up uh, than they did over the past 50 rounds. We'll cut the sample in half and see what's up. Gooch M. Hollywood Hoagie all of a sudden pops up. Corey Connors, Abraham answered. Damon goes up higher. Leishman all of a sudden makes an appearance. And hey, there's K.H. Lee. Like I said, K.H. Lee you know, could end up being a player here since he has played the Tournament of Champions, performed pretty well at Mayakoba. Obviously, it's not a TPC course, so that's usually where he really excels. Tom Hoagie, what did he do? He came, oh, good at the RSM. He made... Hell, he missed the cut at the Sanderson Farms, and after that, he, I guess, Shriners, CJ Cup, and Zozo don't have cuts, but he made the other three, other four cuts, four of four in between, and just absolutely dominated on his stroke skiing approach. I feel like he made a run here one year. Yeah, it was in 2018 he came in third. So he trades like elite performances with bad performances at this course. And I mean, based on his tournament history, he's due for a good one. Miscut, third, miscut, 12th, miscut. Now we're in 2022, and he's only going to get better. So by a factor of four, so by this, what should he come in? Like 0. 0.75 place? I mean, that's good enough for a win for me for Hollywood Hoagie. So I'm sure, again, he will pop up. I'm curious to see what his betting number is when the odds are first released. We'll take a look at Chez Reeve as well, because he's popped up on both these lists. Troy Merritt has popped up on both, and Captain Ramius, Chad Ramey is up there. How are we doing, Shez? All right, Shez still can't putt worth a lick. However, after missing the cuts and pretty middling performances all around, he made three straight cuts to end the year. Very poor off the tee, but the approaches continue to click. How has he been putting at this course in his career? Oh, dear God. Minus six last year? No, it's been four, five years since he actually gained strokes putting at this course, but he lost less than one in 2019 and came in third. So he has the right skill set for this course in the right conditions. And we'll see what the conditions are throughout the week. Troy Merritt, uh, three straight top 30s to end last season. Uh, very bad history at this course. 56 last year, followed by five consecutive missed cuts before that. It's probably fade him. Chad Ramey, I don't think that he played the Sony ever. No, he played the Sanderson Farms twice, though. Uh, let's see here. He was 17th in Bermuda, 14th at Shriners. Uh, had a very poor end of the year, but continues to gain with his approaches. So let's try to factor down on just strokes gained approach. Luke Donald strokes. What the? Really? Luke Donald is number one in strokes gained approach? Where is this coming from? With a bunch of missed cuts, too. I guess he, he played in two tournaments that don't have strokes gained data. So we're just going back. Wyndham missed the cut and gained 2.5. 6.4 at the 3M. Byron Nelson, 8.1. Byron Nelson might actually be a bit of a crossover here. This because uh, playing at that weird like shootout course where KH Lee won. Uh, that wasn't the first year ever. Craig's Farm or something like that. Craig's Ranch and Palmetto being a newer course as well. We saw some of the guys that might pop up here, pop up there. Just curious to see if there's any like double over on those leaderboards. They were a little bit apart, but obviously Luke Donald doesn't get invited to anything anymore. Higo, Redmond, Swafford. Hatton, Hadley, BVP. Oh, that was a big week for me. I remember I had BVP and Higo. That's the that's the week that I came second in the Minimax. 
That was fun. EVR, okay, EVR was in 10th. EVR played last week. We can start getting behind that a little bit. Shekhrivi, um, you know, keeps popping up in all of these models. Harris English was inside the top 15. Danny Lee and Scott Piercy, two guys that I mentioned had played well at OHL Mayakoba this year. Seamus Power inside the top 22. Uh, Byron Nelson, you got Bernsey and Berger who are up there. Kazire, who's obviously won at the Sony Open, and Mayakoba. You have KH Lee as the winner. Bramlett. All right, that was the beginning of a bit of a Bramlett run. Seamus Power. Maybe Seamus Power is the play. Huh. Not what I would have thought coming into this. Leishman, 21st. Libiota, 17th. Kadira actually finished top 20 in both these as well. Kadira had a little mini run through an early part of last year. He's been bad ever since, though. Yeah, that was a run. 11th, 13th, 19th, 36th, and then it was over for my guy, Satashi Kadira. Um, but you can kind of pick it up at any time. It's weird, but he went through this really hot putting streak. Uh, and sometimes that's something to glom onto. If you know guys are good putter, they're just in. That's one thing that like no one, the model is never going to tell you that because no one prioritizes putting all that much. But we saw with Lee Biota as well. If we go take a look at Lee Biota, where's Hammer and Hank here? He had a stretch of putting last year where it's like, if you just kept playing Lee Biota, he kept making putts. So he went, Plus 7.5 at Valspar. Made the cup at minus 7.5 or 5.2 the next week. 2.8, 3.8, 5.8, 6.1, 5.1. Then it was over. He got it back a little bit in Houston, but that was really it. And he's been on a very bad run since. Although you can see that the irons are coming back marginally. And the best weeks that he had were weeks where he was driving the ball well and you know playing his irons pretty well. And the putter came along for the ride. So that's interesting to see. From that regard, Stanley's always going to be up there. Norlander. Uh, Bramlett continues to play pretty well. Let's see how he finished the season. He finished the Corn Farrier, obviously great, winning their tour championship. Uh, oh, great. Five straight missed cuts. Poor Cecil Peters. Cecil, what are we doing here? We playing Bramlett or what? I guess you have to sub to Sideshow Cecil and see what's going on with him from that regard. Oh, Dewey Vanderwall is popping up here too. Let's see, Dewey. No, no. Dewey, I know your tricks. It's not good. Not good at all. So that's a brief overview. The other thing that I wanted to hit on, instead of just going straight modeling on this, let's do a mixed condition. We won't do the mixed condition model. The mixed condition model is you can throw in a bunch of different stuff. For example, if you wanted to say, hey, who plays well at par 70s? So we'll just click on par 70s, and it'll get rid of you know, par 71, 72, and 73s. Uh, last 24 rounds, that seems like good enough. But if you wanted to do the mixed condition model, you just use this yellow filter right here. So if you said, hey, who are the best players T to green, or even just ball striking? So we'll add, no, we'll go T to green. We'll just say T to green. Make it easier on everyone. You say, I want to add a column to my mixed condition model. I want to take strokes gain T to green, and we'll call that pass 24 on par 70s. And then, boom, go add. And then it gets added into your mixed condition model, and then you can do other stuff too. Like, you can say, I want par 70s. We'll click off par 70, and we'll just go on Bermuda grass. And we can throw that into the mix as well. And we can call that pass 24 Bermuda. And we can select putting from that and add it in. So we can even go a little bit farther down into it as well, because this is less than 7,200 yards. So we'll throw out par 70, and we'll just call this strokes gain total. Pass 24, under 
200 yards. So you saw how I did the model earlier when I picked the specific stats that I wanted. And you can do this for any stat that you want uh, that's on here. So these are just like three basic ones that are just, you know, strokes gain total, putting, and tee to green. So we'll weight the Bermuda grass 15%, and we'll make strokes gain tee to green 60%. And make sure we'll call that 50, we'll call that 50%. So I don't know, why, why is it doing that to me now? 50%, there we go. So 50% for T to green on par four, on par 70s over the past 24 rounds. Strokes game putting on all Bermuda courses with Bermuda grass greens past 24 rounds. And then strokes game total past 24 rounds under 7,200 yards. This is just a different way that you can look at the course for the week, and then we can load in our results and see what happens. And maybe this can give us uh, a little bit of a different type of view. So the best players in this are, no shocker, guys that tend to perform well at all those courses that I talked about. Webb Simpson, Abraham Answer, Russell Henley, Bryson, Harris English. Those are your top five. Now you have Brennan Steele, which tracks. He was inside the top 10 a year ago. He's had success at the Honda Classic over time, so I think that's starting to jibe a little bit. Cam Smith, Chris Kirk, Corey Connors. I want to see Corey Connors for a second. I think like Kramer Hickok. He didn't appear anywhere else. Let's go take a look at Kramer Hickok. See what's up. He's up to. Zach Johnson. Denny McCarthy. Well, if we know putting is involved, uh, he's sixth, and he's in strokes gain total. <clears throat> I mean, putting is included in that. Um, on courses under 7,200 yards, he's actually a lot better. He's second in the field in that. If you just take a look at that one, it's Simpson, Denny McCarthy, see, whoo, Kim, Russell Henley, Abraham Answer. Cam Davis, who was actually playing Tournament of Champions, is fifth in that number. Cam Davis ranks out. He's bad tee to green at these par 70 courses. He's really bad putting on Bermuda. But strokes gain total under 7,200 yards. He's actually really good interesting to see. Ryan Palmer, former winner of the Sony Open. Matt Jones checks a box up there as well. You see Kramer Hickok is still down there. Hickok plays these shorter courses really well. Doesn't necessarily always bring the putter. Interesting. I would not have guessed Kramer Hickok. See, fourth at the Houston Open, second at the Travelers. He doesn't normally perform well, but in the weeks where he does perform well and actually putts, he actually does some damage. So, yeah, and another shorter course, Traveler's shorter course. I don't know. Houston was a longer course, so good for him. Uh, he was in the lead going into the final round of that tournament, and obviously he ended up gagging, but that's just how it's going to be sometimes. 19th at Sony a year ago. Let's see how he's done at the Sony Open. 19th, 45th. At least he's made the cut the past two years. Has never gained strokes putting. Has gained around the greens. Marginally gained on approach a year ago. So that's <clears throat> somewhat positive signs. Oh, man, Zach Johnson's played this every year since 2004. Actually, he didn't play in 2006 or 2007. But still, gains on approach every single year. So that's always good news. Played really well at the RSM, too. He finally got his groove back. He's like, Stella, Stella, coming back and helping us out a little bit at the RSM Classic. I don't know if that can persist, but... Let's see him at shorter core. He missed the cut at Mayakoba, so that's not good. Missed the cut at Wyndham, but did gain on approach. John Deere, okay. Travelers, another short course, pretty good. Honda, top 10, that's pretty good, okay. We're getting somewhere now, I think, and trying to find some sleepers. Corey Connors, I feel like this is what is one of his best putting tournaments. He always puts better on Bermuda, as you can see. I mean, better being that he's not an abject failure, losing um, almost a stroke per round like he is on POA. Uh, but I think in his career, yeah, he's gained every year at the Sony Open. Maybe this is Corey Connors' time. 
He's like John Cena. His time is now. And it's weird to see him. He came 12th last year, gaining 5.1 strokes putting. Probably an aberration. It's going to be hard to replicate, although he's averaging like four and a half um, in his career at the Sony. But losing on approach, that's just not in the Corey Connors game plan. I mean, sometimes he does. He was awful at Shriners. But as you can see, like over his past 20 events, he's gaining an average of 2.4 strokes on approach. Like ball striking is Corey Connors' thing. And he's like the worst putter on the PGA Tour. It's weird this tournament weirdly throws him at a whack. So that's that's interesting. Weird, wild stuff. To quote Dana Carvey doing Johnny Carson. So let's reset our filters one more time and think about corollary courses and everything that I've said so far. So we have, uh, we'll throw Eastlake onto there, Harbortown, no, not Houston, Harbortown onto there for the heritage. We also want to take a look, you know what, hell, let's look at Pebble Beach. That's another short course, different, obviously, that's going to be different in terms of strokes game putting, but we're just going to get the two rounds that people play from that course. Try to, you know, really up our sample a lot here. Sedgefield CC from the Wyndham Championship. Probably want to add Colonial onto there as well. Where the hell is Colonial? What do I... I have Bermuda clicked on. That's why I'll off-click Bermuda right now. So I can get Colonial back in the mix. Where's Colonial? There we are. Colonial. And then I'll want Wiley, which I assume is down at the bottom. Wiley CC, and let's chuck in TPC, TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, it's short Bermuda course. Why not, right? That's had a lot of crossover with the Wyndham Championship over the years. So we'll throw those ones in. So it's a, you know, a smattering of courses. We're looking at past 24 rounds just to see if this tells us anything else. And maybe it won't, maybe it will. Maybe we can find a sleeper or two from in here. Strokes gain total over the past 24 rounds from those courses. Webb Simpson, Siwoo Kim, Bryson, Henley. Now Brian Harmon makes an appearance. Connors, Cam Davis. So when we ran that model, the second model, Cam Davis appeared here. Now he's appearing here again. Keegan continues to show up. Char- Chucky, three sticks. Charles Howell, the third. Grio will leave him for Raza. Brendan Todd continues to pop up. Lucas Glover now makes a cameo, currently in the field at the Tournament of Champions. Brian Stewart Stumanji is up there as well. So that's good to see. Let's see uh, strokes and approach from these tournaments. Grio, Keegan, Hideki, Na, Connors, Webb, Leishman, Kokrak, Siwoo. A lot of Siwoo up there. Okay. So that's just different ways that you can use the tools to try to identify some of the players that you might want to take this week. And I think it's, I've given myself a nice head start. Apparently Seamus Power can't be beat at this tournament according to, I mean, the stats that I'm choosing to cherry pick with this week. What you choose to cherry pick with uh, might be something else. But maybe you heard something in there or saw something that I didn't. Maybe you found a sleeper or two that you can roll with this week. Obviously, we're going to break this down more throughout the course of the week. Monday with Jeff Feinberg up on Mayo Media and the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast. Rick Gaiman on Tuesday. Plus, Fantasy Golf Degenerates will be out Monday evening with Kenny and... Tambo, so go download and watch that one as well. And play in the one and done, the race for the Mayo Cup, $50,000 to first place, fantasygolfchampionships.com. It starts this week at the Sony Open, so go get one or two or three or four or five. You can have up to five entries. You might as well go do it. $125 for the season, $375 per week. It's not that much. So let's go do this. Let's fill this up. We need to fill those thousand spots right now. 
don't wait. Help us out over here. I don't want to have egg on my face by telling them, you know, we can bump this up to 500k guaranteed. You know, it wouldn't be a good luck for your boy Pat Mayo if that happens, all right? So help me out over here. Smash a like, sub to the Mayo Media Network on YouTube, and join FantasyNational.com. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you 20% off. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.